Coming to you from the City of Roses, this is the broadcast by Lash Professionals and for Lash Professionals. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. Today we have a treat for you. Alona from Revelation has joined us to really show you what it takes to start your own brand. She's going to share numbers and insights about what's it like, the pain, the suffering, the hardships, the good, the bad, and the ugly, everything, guys. It's really quite amazing. In fact, it's so amazing that we're going to split into two episodes because it was going to, it just, we went on and on and on. I thought we'd have an hour and it ended up much longer than that. So today's episode is a little like a 40-minute episode, and then we're going to have her come back for part two next week. So today, you're going to learn really all about the cost. What's it going to cost you? to start your own brand and some of the lessons that she learned. And then we'll get into a lot more stories in the second half and we'll get into more details about starting your own brand. So a lot of you out there are thinking, man, it'd be so cool. Like I've been lashing for five years. I'm ready for something new and you want to start your own brand. And you know what? It doesn't come without a price. And Alona is going to just share what the number, the real numbers are, guys. It's not like, oh, it cost me five bucks. It's not just the Instagram fame that you see people doing posting stuff. The hard numbers of what cost her. Now, I'll just say this. For some people, they'll, they'll probably end up spending more than what she spent. And other people don't will not spend quite as much because maybe you'll start small and build up over time. But that said, I think no matter what, you're going to get some real hard facts so that you can decide, is this for me? Is this something I want to do? Do I want to move to this next stage or am I okay? In fact, now that I've heard the numbers, maybe I'll just you know, focus on lashing and be content with that. So guys, it's a really good one. I know you'll get a lot from it, but before that, we do want to talk about LashCon because guess what, guys? It's less than four months away and we cannot wait. So much is going on. We have all the speakers lined up. We have like over 70 sponsors. We have a trade show that basically built a trade show here. So if you haven't been to any this year because of all the craziness, this is the one you want to come to because you can buy tons of product from tons of companies and then we'll have a swag bag that's gonna be well worth over 500 bucks with all sorts of products from all different companies so you can try and sample and maybe find that backup brand or find a new brand if you're not happy with the one you're with but we also have another thing that's super exciting this year we have our day one event this is a pre-event or a bonus event that's on friday november 5th it's before LashCon takes off and this is going to be an amazing one day thing where you by the way you get a vip ticket with this event this is really all about leadership. So we first, you come in the morning, you have breakfast with us, and then we're going to have Anthony Trucks, who speaks at Tony Robbins events, who is a former NFL player, entrepreneur, speaker, and all that. He's going to download his DNA on leadership. And you're going to learn about that over a two-and-a-half-hour session. And then you're going to basically hang out and have lunch together. And then the afternoon is all about masterminding, where we're going to sit down in small groups and work on each other's businesses and help each other problem-solve and figure out what's best for our business. It's going to be an amazing time to connect and network. And I promise when you walk out of here, you'll have a new community of Lash friends who will help you when you need that help. And by the way, when you're done with this, you're going to have a tribe already when you go to LashCon. And what's really cool is for those of you who are a little bit more introverted or maybe shy, this is going to be a small setting where you can really connect in small tables and network and find your people, right, your peeps. So don't worry about, you know, if you come to LashCon, it's going to be a little big. It's going to be like 500 people, right? So it's going to be a little bit more, a little more overwhelming. This is where you can really get intimate and meet your people. So 
day one, I promise, is going to be well worth it. We only have like a little more than 25 tickets left, so you do not want to delay. And there is a payment plan, so you can spread the payments out over a few months, so that way it's not so painful, and then get your hotel, airfare, and all that. All right, guys, that's all I have for announcements. Now let's sit down with Alona and get to hear her story about how she built her brand, but more importantly, what the cost will be for you. So it's going to be great, guys. I hope you like it. I know I did. I learned a lot, and I know you will too. Hey, guys. We are here in the Lashcast Studios. We are so excited because we have Alona from Revelation with us. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here with you guys today, and I'm also really excited about the topic that we selected. So. I'm looking forward to our chat. I yeah. think it's going to be really helpful to a lot of people who might find themselves thinking, you know, hey, I want to do this. Yeah, no, it, it really is cool. And I'm really excited because we've wanted to do this for a long time. And I think I remember when I first reached out to Lona and said, hey, let's let's have you on the podcast. She was like, I need to have something, though, that's really impactful, that's helpful. I don't want to just come on and chat about myself, blah, blah, blah. I was like, okay, that's cool. And so she went and did her homework. <laughs> she she did a lot of homework yeah, for you guys. She did. She went and prepared and thought about it. So I'm excited because this is going to be, I think, a really involved and detailed conversation with some real practical things for you guys. So before we get into all that, it's just in case there's some people out there that have never heard of you or don't know about Revelation, what you're doing, just a little bit of background and maybe what got you into the lash industry. Absolutely. My name is Ilona. And I'm the founder of Revo. We are a brand that caters to an international client base in both high-end products and advanced education. And currently we have two headquarters. One is in Laguna Hills, California. The other one is in Montreal, Quebec in Canada, where I'm originally from. And we started this company four years ago, but I've actually been in the industry since 2008. So I started lashing when I was 18 years old. Oh, wow. Just like a side 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 hustle in college because I couldn't afford refill. So I was like, let me take a course with my friend. She'll do my lashes. And then it grew into something, a lifelong love affair. So here I am. Well, they say that uh, necessity is the mother of invention. So absolutely. No, that's pretty cool. I didn't know you've been doing this since 18. And I think a lot of people start as a side hustle with lashes. I think that's why when I see polls about people's income, I, you know, so many people are not making like six digits. So many people are making twenty, thirty thousand dollars a year because you're just doing it part time on the side. So I didn't know that was kind of like your humble beginnings. I'd say probably for like six years. I was actually on on route to be in the medical field. I was one year of graduating biomedical engineering when I dropped out to start Revo. Um, so it really chose me, basically. <laughs> I'm happy it did because I, I love what I do and I love this industry. So yeah. Yeah, you're probably one of the more educated last professionals we know. <laughs> <laughs> so probably, probably goes into details of why you get into this stuff so much. It's like teaching a course in a college level. Or well, something you're, like that, so. you're used to the discipline. Yeah. You know? So well, anyhow, we're going to talk about today. I thought it would be really kind of cool because you, you picked this. And I think I was actually really happy when you did. So why don't we get into share with everyone what we're going to be getting into today. What I want to attempt with with this conversation is one to debunk like the myth of or the illusion of like overnight success in the lash industry. 
in order to give our audience a better understanding of how to build a lasting brand and a company within the industry that's actually going to last because there's there is an illusion that it's like oh you launched something like i've had literally had people tell me oh my god you're so lucky you just blew up last year but they don't see the in between and it's not too you know, like, again, I'm not going to be talking about me. I'm going to be talking about really like practical, tangible things. It's more to just let people know what they're setting out, what they're getting into and how to do it properly. So it's not something that falls apart within a year. So a lot of what I'm going to say is going to be applicable more than just products, but for the sake of like being specific, we're going to focus primarily on that today. Yeah. You've talked about us coming back and we may do this because I like the model that we're working with here. We may come back talk about training and talk about salons because these are kind of like the three major paths that people want to go in our industry. With lashes. With lashes, that is. And by the way, products, I want to make sure, and you hinted this, doesn't necessarily have to be lash products. I mean, our industry is growing now. Some people are thinking about makeup lines. Some people, like, we had a couple brands come out with health-related products, um, shirts, clothing, supplements, all this stuff. stuff. Furniture. Yeah, furniture now. So we have, like, so many new things coming. So this is more of a framework that we wanted to give them, right, to help them think through the whole process because you're probably already thinking this. If you're starting lashes and you've been doing it for more than a year, you probably already got your mind on like, what's my next step? What's my next challenge? So hopefully this will help you with that. Yeah, basically, like I think today we're going to cover anything that that requires like inventory. And then, like you said, we might talk about education and salons down the line. Yeah. So what's important to highlight before we get started is that path of success is marked by like gradual steps and milestones and you can't shortcut through them and you can't skip over them because there's going to be consequences and the consequences could be financial. The consequences could be mental health. I speak a lot about mental health because it's, it's something that's a big part of being an entrepreneur. And so you can't skip over those things. A long time ago, I had a very unhealthy relationship with work because I I'm a workaholic and I'm very ambitious. And so when I started to treat myself a little bit better, being slightly better boss to myself, I started to visualize my professional journey, my professional success as a staircase. And in between every flight of stairs, there's like a landing. It's like a milestone. So if you're talking about a staircase, you can't jump from the first floor to the 10th in one step. You have to you have to do all the steps yeah. in between. So that's how I like to illustrate it. And I'm going to illustrate it by talking. I think we're going to cover 10 different steps. I think it's 10 or 11. I don't remember exactly. And what it takes to go through that staircase and build a successful product line and the dangers of applying an unrealistic pace. I love that, by the way. That's like, I think, one of the best ways I've ever seen growth in the business described, which explains why I'm still in the basement, by the way. So (laughs) I'm I'm hoping to get out of that eventually and maybe get to the first or second floor. It's a great analogy because if you try to take too many steps, like you try to go two steps, it's like you'll pull a muscle, you'll fall down. You'll, there's no way you can do it, right? And you can't like sprint 10 floors in in one day either. You'll slide, you'll you'll fall, you know, yeah, no, there's, (laughs) there's no cheating. There's no shortcut. You're yeah. absolutely You have to put one step in front of the other and take those steps incrementally. Yeah. Seth Godin has a, an analogy he uses. He says all the time, carrying the water chopping and, the and wood. chopping the wood. Yeah. says every day you carry the water, chop the wood. It's not sexy, but <laughs> eventually when you look back, you'll be like, wow, look what I built. Because the daily stuff can be very routine, can be very monotonous and very unexciting. But if you do each step, like you said, go up those steps one at a time. Before you know, you'll look back and you'll have gotten to the first floor and you'll achieved your first goal. So let's get into this a little bit because I think one of the things I realized that people really need to think about is 
before they get into this, need to do some self-introspection. And they need to really start with why they're doing this. So I thought maybe you could share this. Why should someone start their own brand? I have five different answers for that. The first step to deciphering the reason you want to launch something. I think it's safe to say for majority of us, we're very motivated by money, obviously, and earning a better life for ourselves. But that being said, profitability depends on first identifying very specifically an aspect of the industry that's underserved. So an example would be you're frustrated that there's a lack of options for colored lashes or there's tools and accessories that we know are still borrowed from other facets of the beauty industry or the medical industry are not specifically geared for our needs. Essentially, you realize that there's a need that isn't being met or catered catered to properly. It doesn't necessarily mean that you have to launch an innovative product. It doesn't have to be something like brand new that you invented, but simply seeing a demand of something that's lacking. And that's a great place to start. It could be something like, it could be standard of quality for the products. It could be even something like superior customer service, which is, we're going to talk about it. It's a big part of it. Exceptional reliability. We're not in a boutique kind of business where people are, you know, you're not just buying apparel. People rely on your stuff to to provide service. So you have to be reliable. And a lot of brands struggle with that and you know, they go out of stock all the time. And that's that's something that lacks. A, yeah, a- I, I know that feeling. We buy stuff from some brands and I'm like, oh, they're still out. Yeah. <laughs> and in fact, one company I love, man, they can't keep product in their store. It's so frustrating. So I, I yeah. Talk about how, why that's a problem, why that's because they skipped some steps. They reached a little bit too far, too fast. Mm. But regardless, mm-hmm. you have to identify very specifically something tangible or a value that you know, that stands its own. Mm-hmm. So basically, it's anything that you see as a need, anything that you would like in your own business. I mean, that's the first place to start Yeah, that you wish that you had or there was an improvement on something. Well, I know? think any entrepreneur is really a problem solver. You're, yeah. you're seeing something wrong in the world. And you decide, I can help fix that. And like you said, it doesn't necessarily have to be a new idea. I love it. Like, no, you can just improve on what someone else is doing. Maybe it's like the product's the same, but the customer service, like, I'm never going to run out of product. I'm going to be the one company that never runs out of product because I just, I know logistics and I know how that all works. So I think that's, that's a great idea or great approach. Yeah. And I say this without any criticism, like not to offend anybody, but a lot of people like want to start a brand because they want to put their name on something. It's like an ego thing. And that's the absolute wrong reason to do it. If that's your only reason, you don't know any other reason why you're doing it. You have some more searching to do. You have to find something very concrete before you go into it. Putting your name on something is great. It's very expensive to put your name on something. So you can make a lot more money just reselling stuff on Amazon, like fulfillment, for example, without the investment of a brand. So you need yeah. to know what you're getting into. So we're going to break all that down. Well, let's get started now talking about the business and the numbers, right? Because I think one of the things that people really need to know when you're in business, numbers really help you determine everything. It's like, it's like your gauges on your car. When you're looking at the numbers, it tells you how fast you're going. If you have oil, like you need to know those numbers. If you don't, you're going to run out of gas or you're going to go too fast. Overheat. Overheat and all that type of stuff. So let's first talk about budgets. Would you suggest that someone sitting down, ready to do a business, maybe that they start with some sort of budget and maybe you can give them ideas or guide points of how to come up or what would be a realistic budget for them? Okay. So, I wrote down a very specific list, literally listing everything that we invested in in the beginning before (laughs) having sold one thing, before people even knew that we were starting anything. 
and I'm going to go through the whole list and what to expect when you're launching a product line. I'm keeping the numbers conservative while keeping in mind that like it can fluctuate depending on how many products you plan to launch at once, what your standard for quality is, level of customization, where you're sourcing them, et cetera, et cetera. These are estimates of purchasing sampling primarily, and they don't, I'm not taking into account the significant mistakes that can occur along the way. And I'll talk about mistakes later, but those can get very costly as well. Something as simple as like getting frauded by someone posing to be a manufacturer online. That's happened to us twice. Making mistakes oh, with yes. accountants or trademarking, all those things. Like I'm not talking about that. So this is really just like startup costs. Okay. And- so get a pen and yeah. as she is about to unleash yeah. a lot of wisdom. And if you if she talks too fast, you can listen, go back yeah, and listen back, to it. But be sure you want to write down everything that's going to come out of her mouth here. Yeah. So I'll start with sampling and initial customization costs Mm -hmm. of production. And again, not taking into account any purchase of inventory. This is like pre-purchase. I'll start with lashes, tweezers, glue, and and custom accessories. And I'll just give you the numbers of what it costs us to sample an initial production cost. So for lashes, we spent about $3,000, which wasn't too bad. Tweezers was a lot more expensive. It was around five, five. Glue... It can vary hugely. If you're white labeling a glue, it could cost you a few hundred bucks, a few rounds of samples, whatever you, you got the one that you like. For custom formulation, uh, you're looking at 10 to 20,000, potentially more if you're doing a lot of revisions. So, uh, oh my gosh. Okay. That, I don't think people know that one. <laughs> no. Now, let's talk about because some people may not know what white label is. What does that mean? White label is when you uh, essentially are putting a, a label on a stock formula. So it's a formula that was already created by the manufacturer. That's Sometimes right. they're willing to slightly modify it for you if you're purchasing large quantities, but most of the time white labeling is literally like you customize the bottle, the label, you put it on it. There's The formula remains untouched. So yeah. other people, other brands can be using the same product. There's a lot of brands manufacturing in the, in the same from the same place. So yeah. that was glue. And then the last one, custom design accessories. So I'm not going to talk about wands and all that stuff if you're custom designing accessories every mold for a custom design costs anywhere between 2500 to 3000 and then the cost of designing the actual mold is anywhere between 4 to 800 so you're looking at roughly $4000 so like something like uh, cleansing brushes ours are, are custom designed uh, the mold cost us around 3 grand and then everything else that went into that So I have a question about that, just to dive just a little bit deeper in that. Does that fee or that estimate, does that include the person that you hire to design it or is that you designing it? Is it you learning CAD or making a model yourself? What includes what is, yeah. Those fees, I guess, yeah. The mold, that's like you deliver the die cut, they make it. If you make a mistake with the design or the the sizing or anything, you're paying another to uh, 3000. So the design like for packet like um, a product designer for example it, like somewhere between 400 to 800 like I said. So all together we're looking at about more or less $4000 per customized And this also would be just for the prototype or the first model. This isn't like a or there are minimum orders with this to start with where you mm-hmm. have to Absolutely. It's not just it's to put to turn that machine on there's minimum order quantities as well. What's it usually? What's like the low end for a minimum order usually? It depends on the product. Some will okay. be 5,000, some will be 100,000. It depends. Like yeah. in packaging accessories, we, we had to get 100,000 units. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I remember for us, our, our first time we went to Cosmoprof, 
and that's Vegas, and that's always – well, this year it's going to be in August, but it's usually like in July – and you get to go in and you meet these manufacturers and you start talking about minimum orders. And I remember like the first person we went up to were like, oh, it's 10,000 10, units. And I'd be like, okay. We just scrape our jaw off. Because <laughs> we're thinking like 10, you know, 10, we could do 10. And- I'll do 1,000 maybe on a big order. And, and like, like without batting an eye, yeah, 100,000. So, so are you interested? I'm like, no, I'm not. Uh, not at this time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, trying to save face. Like, oh, we're we're negotiating with another person down the street who's doing it for 20,000 and we like their order be better. It's really discouraging, especially if the product has has a shelf life that you can't sell it within you have to move it. years or whatever. But oftentimes those those numbers are negotiable. Oftentimes, like you, let's say you're making a custom packaging, for example, the minimum order is 10,000 units. You don't have to buy 10,000 units of the product. Sometimes you just have to buy 10 units of the packaging. And then you buy the product as you go because to turn on that machine for packaging, they have a minimum requirement. So it can you, you have to learn how to negotiate too. Don't always take the first offer. That's where negotiation skills come into play. Yeah. Yeah. That's something I don't think anyone's ready for with negotiating. I think for the longest time I've sucked at negotiating. I'm like, I walk in, I remember 20 some years ago, I had a record company and me and my friends would negotiate a deal distributor and they gave us the first offer and went, okay. (laughs) I later blurred out other people like in paying half of what we're paying. So yeah, negotiating that we didn't get into that, but that's another skill that people really need to learn. I think. Yeah. Definitely. So all of that was just sample sampling and initial like production costs. So we go on with the list now. So after that, conceptualizing the brand. So branding and design. This was very expensive. We spent around $35,000 on this. What? Yep. Wow. How would you break that down a little bit more? Is that the graphic design, the color design, the logos, every the packaging? Graphic design, it's a whole firm. We we made a lot of mistakes so that we shopped too much by budget. Like we tried to find and we kind of got what we paid for. Then we went to somebody else. I found another firm. They're like a big firm in the UK. And that's where we ended up paying like around $30,000. $30, so they conceptualize everything. They interview you. They ask us like over 50 different questions where we see the brand going initially we just had trainings but they asked us like what our long-term plan is they asked us to see examples of products all of that so the whole branding was built around where we are today essentially four years ago it's obviously we've did minor adjustments and rebrands throughout the years if you scroll on our page you can see it but yeah something around that and we're we're always updating and tweaking do you have someone that you work with regularly now that helps you with that type of stuff or is that more you now just taking the the existing brand tweaking it yourself no we have a full-time graphic designer we have a full-time packaging designer and we have a full-time web designer that manages our our website not in-house but we work with them full-time they're always on retainer so i'm always the creative director behind it like yeah all of it goes through me but no, I don't myself create all that stuff. I think people don't get that. I think most people just think, see people like you and go, man, Lona's so talented. She just did everything and I could never do that. Maybe they go on Fiverr and try to get a logo designed by someone or they go on Canva and make it themselves. I don't think anyone had a clue that behind this was that kind of money to really create this image. Because it looks they think, oh, I could just do it. I can yeah. just, you know, just it's it all comes out of my creativity. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, and you know when we started 
Like I had no idea. I didn't know anything about anything. I didn't know what a color palette was. I didn't know any of that. I grew into it. I grew with the brand. I I learned so much over the years. So now I'm able to actually do a lot of the creative direction behind it. But when we were starting, like I had no idea what we were getting into. So it's important to find somebody that not only knows where you're headed, but also sees your vision, not just like their idea. That was a problem with a lot of designers. Like they have their idea. Yeah. They don't really listen to your vision. So more budget stuff or are we at the end of the line yet (laughs) okay (laughs) then we have packaging and labeling so again like custom products let's say a minimum order of a thousand units for packaging a lot of our packaging is not actually created by the manufacturer that makes the product we have it manufactured elsewhere and then shipped to our manufacturers so let's say minimum orders a thousand if you're really lucky so you're looking at let's say two to four thousand dollars for that at another thousand dollars for all the packing supplies the wrapping paper ribbons elastics tapes all of that stuff so that's two to two to four k then you have the startup costs label makers computers thermal printers you're looking another around that thousand dollars for that web design is next and yeah. web fees we made a lot of mistakes with that as well, but I would say to get like a good, sophisticated, well-functioning site, whether you're doing products and especially if you're doing education, you're, you're looking at about $10,000 mm-hmm. more or less. Now, do you use, a, I know a lot of brands use Shopify. Is that what you use Shopify too? We have Shopify. However, our website is more than 60% of it is actually like- a, okay. A custom code. Oh, really? So, but is it in the Shopify world? Like, I know in Shopify, you can set it up real simple yourself, or you can hire someone to come in and, like you yeah. said, custom design a whole website using it, right? Yeah. But it'll take you like anywhere between 60 to 80 hours to do it yourself, and you're not going to have the functionality that you need, especially if you're going into trainings. There's no functionality for that. So, I recommend like 10,000 could be like, high you can probably find somebody for six seven thousand dollars but you can keep paying two three thousand five six times or you can just invest in that first website and have it right and that's my advice try to from the first time try to project what your needs are going to be because you'll save money in the long run i will concur with that 100 we are at a point where we're about getting close so we're going to be setting up in kajabi but that said i know that i hired someone (laughs) really low cost to help me with some stuff on our Shopify. And it was a nightmare and it's the ugliest page in the world. So don't go to lashcastproductions.com. It sucks. But it, if you really do get what you pay for. And those are kind of the painful lessons that you got to learn, you know? Yeah. I mean, that's why listening to things like this and listening to wisdom of the people that have come before us like you, so yeah. important. Yes. Learn from our mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> so next is insurance which I think a lot of people skip over, but I recommend having general liability insurance, at least the bare minimum. If you're not insuring your inventory, that's your decision, but expect to pay somewhere between, I would say like maybe 4,000 for general liability. And then it can go up to tens of thousands once you're insuring inventory and as you grow. So that, that there's a huge range on that, but I would say something around four or 5,000 mm-hmm. could be a good startup. That's a year, right? Yes, four yes. to 5,000 a year. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then the other stuff, like you said, is insuring your, actually your properties in a sense. And that mm-hmm. has to be insured based upon, I'm sure that how much you have in stock becomes the number they evaluate. So if you have like $10,000 of stock at this price, but if you have a hundred thousand dollars in stock, they're going to give you a different price. I'm guessing. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Cool. Imagine, God forbid, but if you work out of the house, if your house burns down or there's a fire in the building that you're, you're working in and you have $500,000 of inventory, you're not getting that back. Like, 
Or I think with your area, Laguna Beach, it's such a beautiful, amazing place to live that one day it rained and then everyone, this, it, the whole city just melted yeah. down or something. It was just horrible thing. And you lost all your inventory in yeah. Laguna Beach because it's, if you guys, by the way, decide if you've never been to Laguna Beach, it really, if it's of paradise. All California, this is a city to live in. I know you probably don't want me to say it, tell people because it will make it <laughs> more crowded, but it is really, it is it's really amazing. the nicest place in Southern California. All right. So keep going on. So I'm full of sidetracks here. But yeah, like certain buildings, like commercial buildings, like ours requires that we fully insure our entire inventory. It might not be up to you, but if you're working from home, it's a different story. But again, it's just, it's how much risk you're willing to expose yourself to. Maybe that's something you'll skip over in the beginning because yeah. your money's tight, but it's nonetheless something you should entertain. It's risky. Yeah. yeah. Then we move on to legal stuff. So attorneys, trademarking, registering the company. You could do some of it yourself. Don't recommend necessarily trademarking on your own. You might make some mistakes. So I'm looking at like two, 3000 yeah. budget for that. Mm-hmm. Corporate tax return first year. If you're starting really small, I would say a thousand and it could go up to eight, nine thousand a year, depending on the size of your business. And then something very important, yeah. bookkeeping on a monthly basis. If you're running a business, you have to have bookkeeping. I don't recommend doing it yourself. It's not worth the time. You're going to make mistakes. Those are very expensive mistakes that you probably don't even know that you're making. And at the end of the year, you're going to lose out on a bunch of stuff. We were educated so many times by our like CPA and our bookkeeper, and they saved us so much money. So for a bookkeeper, you're looking at about two to five hundred a month. Again, it depends how much transactions you have going on in the vault, like the size of your business. Let's say two to five hundred, it could go up to eight hundred. I'm sure there's companies that pay significantly more. So then I would talk on photography, like a full day of shooting. Once you have your products, what do you need to budget for to shoot your entire line? Again, depending on the photographer, 500 to 1500 a day. And then if you want to style it yourself or you want to get a stylist, you're looking at another about 1000 to 1500 a day. So that's $3,000 max, I would say, for, for a shoot. And that does include models, too, if you bring models or anything else. Makeup artist, hair, yeah. Model campaigns are around sixteen dollars to $18,000 a year. The one big campaign, the wow. little ones in between don't count. But that's like a whole beast, mm-hmm. other beast in itself. We're not going to talk about those right now. That's a whole (laughs) other side of it. And the last part of the budget is surveying. So if you're launching something, especially for the first time, you should not be relying solely on, on your opinion. If the product is good or bad, it's a really bad idea. So you should be sending it out to people that you trust, people who uh, different parts in the world, different climates. If you're talking about glue, uh, people whose expertise you trust and ask for honest feedback. So the budget for that, it depends how many people you want to survey. So you're shipping a free product and covering shipping fees. Let's say you want to survey 20 people, for example, to try your stuff. So you're looking at about three to $500, depending on the cost of your product and the shipping. So that's one round of samples. If the feedback is bad, you'll have to go back to your manufacturer, redo it, send out again. So another three to 500 every time you want to survey 20 people. Is 20 enough? Mm-hmm. Probably not. But I'm just giving you, again, a yeah. little bit. Of- you can multiply that by... Make it 40 and double it. <laughs> so those are all the things. And add that up at $90,000, wow. 89 mm-hmm. Just getting out the door. Mm-hmm. Just getting started. And that's, I think no one knows that. Now, I know there's people starting and they're just doing it nickel and diming. And they're just building it real slow. But I think you did it at a really higher level. Because I remember when you showed up, it, it looked like you were... I don't know, it was ready for, you know, Main Street. It was just like, it looked like a this top-of-the-line Chanel-type product line or something like that. So, and I think it shows. Now I know why. Because before I was like, I just thought you were just this amazing genius behind that you somehow you could do all this stuff. And then I went, oh, you're smart enough 
to not to say I'm going to do everything. I'm going to hire people that know what they're doing and pay them well and get them to do it. And that makes you look like genius. So that, I mean, and that we, we learned, like we at first tried to do everything ourselves. And I'm going to talk on that later. What happens when you try to do things that you have zero expertise in yourself. Mm-hmm. And this is, I hope will demonstrate to people that you actually save money, time, tears, sweat, blood. There is an initial investment. If you're serious about the business, you have to be ready to invest maybe a little less, maybe a little bit more, but that investment is necessary. You skip over any of this, the things that I just mentioned, you're going to experience problems down the line. And that explains to me, I can already see why some brands I know that have been around a long time are still struggling to get by because I'm betting they, they skipped a lot of this stuff. They've been trying to do it themselves, which has really li- limited their upside and they're, they're kind of stuck trying to get out of the, you know, that first, second floor of the building. They're not moving on where they should have been at the fifth or 10th floor by now. But that all said, Obviously, it takes money. So people are going to need seed money. I don't know if you have any tips on what to do, how to find it, or maybe some pitfalls too to watch out for as you're trying to get money and pull it together. Okay. So before I get get into answering the actual question, I just want to say like when you start a company, I mean any company, you have to be 100% committed to the end game before you even make one penny off of it. it. The money doesn't magically appear on your lap unless you happen to have rich parents, rich boyfriend, whatever. Mm-hmm. You have to make that money to start. So I know like you hear that number 90,000, you're like, oh my God, they must have had so much money like hanging out in their bank account. We started with zero dollars. I don't want to say we were homeless, but we <laughs> moved to the it's from Canada and we had nothing, no furniture. We had one pot, like two sets of utensils. Like we had nothing. We have all been there. How we made the money yeah. is I was basically doing eight clients a day. Most of the time, seven days a week. Some days it was six days a week. We did that for a year and a half, two years, something around there. I was charging. I was one of the mo- eventually one of the most expensive priced artists in Miami. Started with $50 sets, worked my way up to $500 sets in the span of a year. So that's how we got the money, by me grinding it out like that for for about two years, which came with a lot of downfalls and a lot of (laughs) mental struggles, uh, which I'll talk about later. But we were making around $20,000 a month with me just lashing, and we were spending less than five. Oh, wow. Yeah. And on top of that, I forced my boyfriend to to make extra money <laughs> to dog sit and dog walk on the side mm-hmm. so he was walking and sitting four to five dogs a day and we're making an extra 1500 a month with that I think he hated me for it mm-hmm. but that's what we did so and, and yeah. from that we sacrificed like when we really got serious we're like okay within the next two years we want to start this company we sacrificed a lot we downgraded on our apartment we sold a lot of stuff that we had we invested it all into setting up the studio to be as luxury as possible our apartment like we literally had like communal laundry we had to go and put coins in the machine mm-hmm. <laughs> in the laundry we put off buying a lot of stuff we didn't travel we didn't buy each other gifts we didn't have a car we sold our car we didn't go to brunches and I'm not saying this like, it's the only way or the best way it's not I'm telling you like I had a lot of mental struggles through all of this but I lived in Miami for five and a half years and I literally had no friends there because of how committed we were to work out and I never had time. So I was like, sorry, I'm working. Sorry, I'm working. But that was part of it. So it's important to understand, like you might have to live below your means for a certain amount of time, unless someone is giving you the money. If you're making a dollar, you should be living on 30 cents on the dollar. or That's right. You've just shown what it takes. It's grit. It is hunkering down and doing the hard work and putting off your own expectations 
for something greater later. You're not getting the designer clothes. There's like, you know, it's you're doing your own laundry, the coin. I mean, we were in the same place. We've done the same thing. I just love the idea that you're so in it that you sell your car, you downgrade your apartment. I don't think most people right now who are watching you knew that that was the type of sacrifices you were making. And I know that this is not uncommon. Other people I know that are successful had the same kind of mentality. I am not going to have one dime go towards anything other than my business right now. And that means everything in my life is cut out, and I just focus on building the war chest so I can launch and invest my company. And I don't think everyone knows that. A lot of people want both. They want to be able to have the cool company, and they want to have the lifestyle and the luxury and the fun and all that. They don't realize those those two things don't always start together. What I so appreciate about this, Alona, is that on Instagram, those pages where they show a celebrity like Instagram and then real life, okay? It's like (laughs) what you've done is peel back the Instagram glory and show what the real Real life and like what it really costs to get there. I wish you could show some pictures right now. (laughs) Yes, I know. But it's just kind of like, you know, it's grinding it out, living on ramen, like not getting your nails done. It's like all that stuff, you know, walking dogs, you know, (laughs) having the tension in the relationship because you're having to really pinch pennies. Yeah. And that's not glamorous, but I so appreciate you pulling back the curtain so that we can see that. And I think that a lot of our listeners are going to have a newfound appreciation and respect for you. Yeah. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to show that we started with, we barely had $2,000 in our bank account. Like we had nothing. And to get that 90,000 literally in, like I said, two years, we saved, we sacrificed to get that money. It didn't appear. We didn't have it before. I was in school full time. Like I didn't have yeah. any of those savings while we were immigrating to a new country. We also had to spend on that. It has nothing to do with the business, but we spent around 50, 60 K on immigration in the process of that as well over span of five years. Oh, so that was also something because I knew I didn't have that opportunity in Canada. That was something that I knew I wanted to do in the United States. So that's another side of it. But the mistake that we often see in the industry is lash artists like spending nearly everything that they make as soon as they make it. People confuse like their company's income with their actual salary. Those are two different things. Lash artists make good money. So it's normal to think that you can buy all these nice things and that you're just going to keep earning and just put off the savings to like later, later. But if you keep putting it off all the time, your opportunity to build something past that point, it may pass you by. So it's important to know where you're headed because we know like lashing has an expiry date on our bodies. So you, you need to know where you're headed with it and you can't keep putting it off because the day's going to come and you will have missed the boat basically. So that's what we did that allowed us to start Revo without any debt or giving up part of our company to somebody else. Let's not dismiss the option of taking out a loan or finding investors because that's also a possibility. I know a lot of people have done that too and they've managed to pay it off and succeed, but that's a whole other conversation, a whole other level of risk, which we won't get into, but that's how we did it. That's great. If you're out there and, well, I took on a loan, like that's okay. There are many ways people start businesses. There's not one only way of doing it. I just have a lot of mad respect for you to hear how you did it because I think that is in a lot of ways the purest way to do it. And in some ways, the debt and those other things are going to cost you more money. You're going to lose more cash to things that you have no control over where saving the money, living simply and aiming for and having that goal. And this is why I think you have to know your why, right? You need to know what you're trying to accomplish because that's what drives you in those dark nights when you're working eight clients a day and you're just like beaten up and tired and all that. You got to have a bigger than just money. I'm just doing this for the money because it does that doesn't make things work for you. For me, it was that and 
the fact that I gave up a scholarship to medical school to also start Revelation, like when I gave that up, which I worked really hard for, I like told myself that there's no way that's going to be in vain. Like I am going to build something that will make all of that worth it. There was no option to like not succeed. So I gave it everything that I had. That's a wrap, guys. That's it. We are done. We are out of here. Thank you so much for hanging out with us today. I want to ask you to please follow us on Instagram at Lashcast Podcast and at the Lash Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and review. And get your day one ticket, guys. We, like I said, we have about 30 or so, and then we're out. And that's it. On behalf of my Lashing Machine, Tustin, as well as our special guest, Janelle, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing, and remember, you have a friend in the lash industry. Music